let me let me lead us in prayer. Father, help us to understand your word. Help us to understand things that are challenging, things where we need to conform and change and submit. Help us to do this for your honour and your glory and for our good, because we know it's for our good. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we sang the national anthem earlier at the start of our service. Is that okay to do in church? Are we here to worship God? Uh, let me tell you that I actually don't like the national anthem. I think the tune is uninspiring. Now that's subjective. I think the words are a bit twee. The lyrics are a bit twee, a bit, you know, oh yeah. Um, and frankly, I understand Indigenous Australians like the footballers who don't feel comfortable about singing it at games because it says we're young and free. Well, we're actually our ancestors have been old and here for a long, long, long time. And if you look at the original version, it's incredibly British-centric, incredibly so. It's what we sing is a very, very, moder- very, very simplified version of the original. But it's our national anthem for Australia. Doesn't matter what I think, really. It's Australia Day today. It's another controversy. Let's have an argument in church, shall we? Should we even be doing anything for Australia Day? It's so offensive. And I look, I frankly I understand some Indigenous Australians, perhaps many Indigenous Australians, who feel that they don't want to celebrate Australia's uniting day on the day when the first fleet arrived at Sydney Cove. I, I kind of get that. And personally, I wouldn't mind if the day was changed. But I also understand that people get frustrated because if it's just, it ends up being just taken over by another big left-wing agenda and, and the issue becomes almost subsumed under some political agenda. And, um, well, this is Australia, and actually modern Australia, as we understand it, as we live in it, actually did find a genesis on that day when the first fleet arrived. And just let's move on and let's be united. This is where it's been Australia Day for the last hundred years. Can't we just mature enough to get through that? I get that. But more importantly, I think, what does it mean for us as Christians? Australia Day, because Jesus is Lord. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. There's our primary allegiance. But does that mean, hold it, is that like Islam? You know, Islam has, it speaks of Dal Islam or Dal Salam, the house of peace, the house of Islam, the house of submission, which is when you have Islam as the ruling sect, the ruling authorities, ideally under Sharia law. And those outside are in Dal Hab, the house of war where Islam is not the ruling sect. So you understand ISIS following jihadist principles, holy war principles, to overthrow Dal Hab and establish Dal Islam. Is that what we want as Christians? Because we belong to the kingdom of God first? It's been like that actually for much of Christian history in a very, very negative way where you had religion and state linked. It wasn't pretty. 
How do we understand our place as followers of Jesus in even this thing we call the nation state? Because what is that? The nation state is a modern construct. Humans have been on this planet for a long time and the nation state is very, very modern. It's been around for a few hundred years, I get that. Some say it's just a means for installing power and separation and for creating war, clarity on warfare. In fact, it's not a Christian good to have closed borders because it results in a sense of identity and xenophobia because I'm Australian now and that's what matters and you're from somewhere else. And there's just one creation, one humanity. We're all citizens of the world. So why bother having nations at all or recognising them? Because people matter. Let me complicate, let me stir the waters a bit more. Many of you just celebrated Chinese New Year. And today's Australia Day. Where's your identity? What was more important for you? Does it matter? Ethnicity, culture, nation? And let's face it, I guarantee that way less than 50% of you were born in Australia. So what does Australia Day matter? Some of you are still citizens elsewhere. Why care about Australia Day? And more importantly, does God care about Australia? That's really the big issue. Does he sit and weep over our borders? Does he look at, you know, what is a border anyway? Oh, a border divides geography. It perhaps divides ethnicity. Maybe it divides culture a bit. But a lot of the time they don't work. One of the big problems in the world is that Ethnicity and culture slips across borders. And, and often borders don't work because they're not respected or they're meaningless in some parts of the world. As local warlords control ter- territory. See, what borders are fundamentally is a border defines rule and authority. If I am in Australia, I am under Australian law the Australian government. If I'm in Papua New Guinea, I'm under Papua New Guinea law and government. And if I walk across to Irian Jaya, I'm now under Indonesian law and authority. That's all the border does. Australia is a nation, island, which makes it kind of simple for us. I think we should rename Australia Day to Canberra Day. Because it's really all about government. The law, the authority you live under. And governments are human institutions. Governments determine borders. People determine borders. They choose this city is going to be our capital, our seat of power. Let's build a building, parliament, house, the White House, call it what you will, houses of parliament, Kremlin. Let's put a building in that city, which is the centre of our government. Let's encode laws for this territory that we control to our borders. And let's have an authority arm to ensure those laws are enacted, be it police, be it army, be it judiciary. These borders are all about law and authority, power. They're actually not that much about culture and ethnicity and identity. They make, they get, I know it all gets mixed up, but 
the board is essentially about law and authority. And so, with absolute sincerity, I have more kinship with a believer in Iran than I do with an atheist in Cherrybrook because I'm a follower of Jesus. So as God's people, what place does citizenship and this human institution like called government, what does it play in our lives? How do we, what, how do we consider it? Well, I tell you, it has a big place to play in our lives as Christians and it's extremely important because the Bible tells us the scripture is clear. Every government, though a human institution, is God-ordained. Paul is writing to the church in Rome in our Bible reading. That is the capital of the seat of power of his day, the enormous Roman Empire, the powerful Roman Empire. Rome is bigger than Canberra. Rome is bigger than Washington, D.C. The whole empire is named after one city. And Paul writes to Christians in that city. And that empire dominated ruthlessly when necessary to provide peace for the Roman Empire. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Strong word. It is not the ballot box, it is not the sword, it is not populist movements, it is not hereditary rights that establish governments. God establishes governments, wicked and imperfect and bumbling though they be. So Australia is God's idea. It's even more absolute in verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to ministering. That word there is the word we'll sometimes translate minister. You know, churches ordain ministers. And we expect a bit of respect and authority. People like myself. God ordains governments. Ministers, his ministers. And if you dishonor your governing authorities, you dishonor God. Be clear. It's very simple, this passage. And so to sing Advance Australia Fair in church is to recognize that. And it's thoroughly compatible, as it would be to sing the American national anthem in an American church or even the Saudi national anthem in a Saudi church. You may have to change the words a little bit just so you're not blaspheming. I don't know what the Saudi national anthem is. It's probably very Islamic. (laughs) Celebrating Australia Day is a very Christian thing to do because God established this nation and Australia Day is the day that we celebrate this nation that God has established. Despite imperfections, as David said earlier, we've so much to give thanks for here. 
And every government at its worst, or let's just say tyranny is better than anarchy. Roads are better than nothing. Order, rule and government is the way we've been made and it's good for us. Which is a huge challenge to our thinking, I know. It causes us to wrestle with the sovereignty of God. How can God establish that nation? How can God have allowed this leader? The wrestle with the sovereignty of God is a lifelong wrestle that is at the heart of being a follower of Jesus. And it's not easy. But at the end of the day, God's God. He is sovereign. We've just had awful bushfires. And why did God let them happen? And there's been lots of debate about why and arguments and accusations and blame. Let me tell you about bushfires. God is sovereign. Oh, it's so hard to wrestle with this. I'd rather blame somebody. Now, maybe people are to blame, but God is sovereign. It's not politicians. It's not the rural fire service. It's not state government. It's not local government. But God who has been sovereign over these fires, just as he's sovereign over this virus that we're all concerned about in China that's spreading. It's a wrestle, isn't it? And this very same God puts political leaders in place whether we like them or not. God establishes them. Our responsibility, oh, I hate the Bible sometimes. Our responsibility is to submit to their authority. Hard word. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Got it. Therefore, submit. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. You don't do that. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. <clears throat> Strong words because it means we have to recognize the authority and place ourselves under it. And therefore we live in conformity with that authority. So this is also why you to pay taxes for the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If revenue, pay your revenue. If you've got a fine, pay your fine. If respect, pay respect. If honour, pay honour. That's a hard one. I think we find it easier to pay taxes than to pay honour and respect to governing authorities. It means we obey the law even if we don't like the law. That tree, we obey the law. The tax rules, we don't like. The speeding fines that are ridiculous in this context. We, we drive to the speed limit. When you're not allowed to camp there because some stupid government official says, I don't want you camping there, you don't camp there. And it means we respect the Prime Minister. 
and we respect the Premier, and we respect the Mayor, and we respect council workers who are just trying to do their jobs, perhaps in a failed man flawed manner, and we respect the police who are there for our good, and we respect the judiciary. And we refrain from slander. Now, you may disagree with a politician. You may think them foolish. You may think them misguided, even corrupt. But you do not slander them. So much political conversation when people let loose is just pure, ignorant slander. Which is disrespectful. You puff yourself up in pride as if you could do a better job. If only I was there. If you can do a better job, do us all a favour and get involved. Join a political party. Be part of the process. If you can do a better job, get involved. If you can't, keep your mouth shut. And honour your leaders, whether they be Labour, Liberal or whatever. Please get involved as a Christian if you have the time and calling. And if you can do a better job, we need you. Goodness me, we need you. We're called to submit. Here's, why do we submit? We submit out of, primarily out of conscience. Therefore, verse 5, it is necessary to submit to the authorities. Not only because of possible punishment, I better not drive to the speed limit because I might get a fine otherwise, but also a matter of conscience. Because Jesus is Lord and I obey him and this is my duty. I will obey the law. I will honour the authorities. So here's the basic paradigm of citizenship and submission. The basic way of thinking about being a citizen of Australia, Jesus is Lord. And so that's, in Australia, it's actually pretty easy. People bag our nation, but I wish they'd live other, you know. The world's a hard, hard, hard place. I get so tired of Australia. I get so tired of the rules. I love talking to Jeff Dillon because he tells me about this world of freedom in Tajikistan. But do I really want to live in Tajikistan with the corruption? I don't know. And the lack of health care? We have a good constitution by and large. We respect the rule of law and the balances of our political system. We have much freedom, but many parts of the world don't, do, don't have that. And when Paul was writing these words we're looking at this morning, there was a deranged emperor called Nero leading the Roman Empire. And he persecuted Christians actively. Eventually, Paul would go to Rome and be imprisoned and we believe was, was executed in Rome. And Paul writes, submit to the governing authorities. Today in China, President Xi Jinping is working very hard at the, the sinocization of religion. The sinocization of religion. Now that might be we need all religion in China to have a cultural, cultural Chinese flavour because we're China, Chinese. Okay, but that's not what he's talking about. 
He's talking about Communist Party domination, Communist Party propaganda, Communist Party control of all religions, be it Islam, Christianity, Falun Dong, Buddhism, doesn't matter. Churches are being shut down in the last few years actively. I was talking to Brian Dillon about what Christine's been doing. She's just been in China. And the number of missionaries being sent out of China and the crackdowns on the church in China are incredible in the last couple of years. There's surveillance. There's active re-education. Services are asked to often begin with songs of praise to the Communist Party. A little bit different to singing the national anthem. Bowing before a portrait of the president as you walk into church. Because we want a bit more control over these Christians and these other religious groups. We want them conformed to the Communist Party rule. How do you respond to that? Well, you see, there's actually a hierarchy of submission. A hierarchy of honour. For Christians, Jesus is Lord. And the government must be respected and honoured and obeyed as a divine institution, but not with blind, unqualified allegiance, because that is idolatry. So you see, in the early Christians, they were told by the Roman Empire, you must call Caesar Lord, and they refused, because Jesus was Lord. Many times in its scripture, obedience to God comes first. Pharaoh orders the Hebrew midwives to execute all the newborn baby boys of the Hebrews. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Nebuchadnezzar said, Everyone must bow down and worship this great image that I've constructed when the music plays and Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego, these faithful Israelites, refused and they were thrown in a fiery pit. Darius, the Persian Empire, emperor, after Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian, said for 30 days he made a decree, everyone can only pray to me, no other gods, only to me. And Daniel refused and he was thrown in the lion's den. After Jesus' resurrection to Sanhedrin, the religious officials in Jerusalem said that there'd be no preaching. No one can preach in Jesus' name. And the apostles, Peter and John, replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. Civil disobedience that emerges from a prior commitment that Jesus is Lord and in every one of those examples, with perhaps the exception of the Hebrew midwives, all of those people were actively submitting to the government authorities. But there was a hierarchy of submission. I don't think, and I'm not living in China and dealing with the agents, but I don't think it's right to bow to the president as you enter church. I don't think it's right. You're not allowed to go to church until you're 18 years old in China to a Christian gathering. I don't think that's right for Christians not to teach their children and get them to share in Christian community. I don't think that's right. Church must not be, as it's often become, an arm of the government. We are not an arm of the government. We must not be agents of injustice. We must be countercultural followers of Jesus who submit to every human authority over us. God's law is absolute. Civil laws are under that. 
And if civil authorities act, ask us to act contrary to God's law, we must not obey even as we submit to their authority. And that has proven to be extremely costly. Just ask Christians in China over the last 70 years or many, many other parts of the world. And I don't know where our society is heading. A lot of us speculate and worry. We don't know. God's good. But it could happen one day with those present here. Will we be faithful to God when the government asks us to actively act against God's law? What do we do, irrespective of who is in authority? What do we do as Christians? We do good. This is our DNA. We are a community of love, called to be a community of love, to serve our community and serve our nation and to obey the law and to do good. It's as simple as that. So here in our passage, the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right, and you will be commended. Do good, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, they are agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. We do what is right. We do good. And in Australia, praise the Lord, celebrate Australia Day. In Australia, doing good will mean engaging in appropriate, engaging in appropriate and respectful ways in the political process. And there are many in our society who are not being respectful in the political process. We do it with respect. But we engage. That's right. We write to MPs. We engage in peaceful, respectful protest, if appropriate. We vote with purpose in, in an informed manner. We honour the governing authorities. We serve others. We work for justice. We look out for those who have less to help them, not just to hand them out, to help them, which involves far more than just handing out. We give our lives for people who have less. We build relationships. That's the most powerful thing. Seriously, so much debate about policy. You know the most powerful thing? When you see something you want changed, Build relationships. If you want to care for the poor and marginalised, build relationships. You can do the other stuff, but please build relationships because that's where the power is. And in a society that increasingly demands expectations, that government is there to serve us, we are those who choose to serve We're not known, we're known not for our belligerence, but for our natural grace, humility, and acts of service and love. That is the Christian calling. That's how Christians have been powerful in change, and they certainly have. 
um, our local federal MP, Julian Lisa, um, ran a gathering on religious freedoms. He was wanting to hear from local religious workers on this topic of religious freedom, so he organised a gathering. I couldn't make it, but Julian Gonzalez went in my place and represented our church and did a mighty fine job, and he found it quite a helpful thing. So afterwards, I emailed Julian Lisa, um, just saying that Julia respected it. He sent me back something he wrote. I thought what he wrote was actually very, very good, and I sent him another email back saying, you know, that was very helpful um, about religious freedom. Just an email discussion. Anyway, he said, listen, I'd be happy to come to your church one day. So I said, all right. I asked the elders, would you be happy for the local MP to come to our church one Sunday? And the elders, we had a bit of a discussion. We said, yeah, that's good, because our local federal MP, whether you're Labor, Liberal, Green or whatever, is our local federal MP. And so I have organised, just this week, he is going to visit our church on... I've written here February 19, but it might, might be March. Anyway, he's coming to our church in a month or two. He's going to sit in our service. I'm going to get him up, ask him a few questions. Then we're going to open up after the service for people to... He's quite happy to take questions and answers and comments and thoughts and feedback for about half an hour. When he comes... Do good to him. Seriously. He probably, the politicians in our age, wherever they come from, they probably come, they probably deal a lot with belligerent, demanding, noisy people who just want to be served the way they want to be served. I'm hoping that we honour him and we do good to him. And if you want to raise some issues that are important, do so, but do it in a respectful manner. It's a great opportunity. I'm actually very impressed that he's volunteered to actually come and sit through one of our church services and then just for half an hour later, um, quite impressive. He's a Jewish man, Jewish professed man, but, um, and I don't know him from a bar of soap, but he does live near me. <laughs> do good. Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Therefore, we have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is our calling. <clears throat> now, I think this is hard teaching. It's countercultural. It's not what comes easy. It is not easy to trust that God is sovereign. It's not easy, therefore, to honour the king, who often looks like an idiot or a tyrant. The opposite actually comes quite easily to dishonour the king to call him an idiot and talk about that. It's never easy to submit, particularly when the honour of submission seems completely undeserved. Why should I submit? The Bible says submit. Rebellion, rebellion comes so much easier. Rebellion often forms out of pride because we think we can do a better job. It's not easy to put God first and his ways first when it has big consequences, particularly when the consequences are the government. And quite frankly, doing good for others, being outward focused to bless society when we expect government to be there for us and provide for us is not easy. But there is power in this calling. God comes to us in the person of his Holy Spirit. He fills his church. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And although we are citizens or we live in Australia under this rule, as David said, this rule is temporal. 
it will fall, it will fall one day. And most, but most fundamentally, we are secured as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are adopted sons and daughters of God. We're children of the kingdom. That's our primary identity. It will never pass away. And not in Australia, certainly not in her, her politicians, do we set our hope. We don't set our hope on this land and its leaders. We put our hope in the risen, forgiving, life eternal, giving power of Jesus, the risen Son of God. That is where we set our hopes. And we settle our hearts on our true home. And we stop expecting this home to meet all of our needs. When we do that, when we are so, if you like, heavenly minded, then we have power. And we are freed to be the best citizens, the most patriotic and the most faithful Australians. And then we celebrate Australia Day with confidence and hope. We have the power of true citizenship, real change in our nation, the power of real change as history has demonstrated over and over again, particularly when Christians are not tied to the state. It's never worked when Christians are tied to the state. When the church is the church, when the church is the exiles, when the church is this foreign counter-cultural community, as it has been done in China, as it's done in England, as it's done in America, as it's done in Australia, the church changes society for the better. When they follow Jesus, when they know that heaven's their home, when their hope's not set here, but there. <clears throat> Does God care about Australia? You bet he does, and so should you. We've got to be the best citizens, those who manifest God's kingdom in this kingdom. I'd like to finish with a passage from 1 Peter. It's written to Christians not in Rome but in Asia Minor or what we call Turkey. Christians under enormous stress, if you read 1 Peter, persecution even from the government. And Peter has this advice. It's almost a repeat of Paul. Here is the word of God to you this Australia Day. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the talk of ignorant people. By doing good. You want to silence their talk in so many other ways. God says, do it by doing good. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Jesus is Lord. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Amen.